Shut up and sit down. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. Three, two. That was drilled deep to left field. Going back, choice. Looking up. See ya. 3,000. History with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Jason Giambi has done it! All right, welcome in. This is Gap to Gap. I am Tommy Caroselli. Joining me, as always, is at Real 7 Costanzo, we call him 7, and at Gordon Von Denham, Jordan Whitney, Jordan Whitney, El Jefe, gentlemen, it's been a good week. We had a short week, like we said, with the late, re- great late release, if I knew how to talk, to the pod last week. Now we're back in it. You guys got your Red Sox-Yankees series in. What are our thoughts, boys? Let's start with you, Jordan. Uh, yeah, it wasn't quite as long as we had anticipated. Uh, ended up getting cut a little short there by the rain, but it was good to see. Pretty competitive series. Uh, Friday game was a little lackluster. Uh, by the time I had made it home from work, Red Sox were already down three to one. Uh, so that wasn't, and that was basically the game. I think the Yankees ended up scoring in like the fifth or sixth inning. Yeah. Uh, the game on Saturday was a little bit more exciting uh, with that one there, and then uh, Sunday was what I was ultimately looking for. Although I didn't expect it would be uh, with David Price on the mound. Did not expect him to be the one to uh, do well in the series. Yeah, no, I uh, I had kind of the same sentiments here. I, I bookmarked when I saw David Price was pitching. I, I bookmarked that one as going to be the blowout, but um, he did run into some trouble there earlier in the game. So I was kind of waiting for the wheels to fall off a little bit, but for whatever reason, he, they uh, they stuck with it and he came out with a much needed win. Um, entering tonight, I think they're still eight and a half back, but. Yeah, Jordan, you're right. It was competitive um, at the very least. That's that's pretty much our big takeaway here. Um, they played well. Both teams did. The pitching was good. Uh, timely hitting. I wouldn't say it was a slugfest by any means, but uh, Clint Frazier should never play the outfield again. If they can find a way not to do that, that'd be great. But other than that, I think everyone, for the most part, gave an entertaining series. Uh, this is the last time they'll see each other until they go across the pond in London, so... Um, we'll have some more time to, to see how these teams are doing back then. But, um, yeah, for what a three-game series is in, in May into the first day of June, I was pleasantly surprised. Real quick, you mentioned the London series coming up here. What are your guys' take on that in general? Like, how, how do you guys feel about taking this rivalry across the pond, taking baseball across the pond? Seven, let's start with you. I personally think it's stupid. Um, I know why they're doing it, because it seems that every major sport now has to have a London game. Uh, Obviously, the NFL has a sweet spot for it, and the NBA is doing it now. It's just too gimmicky for me. Like, the British, they don't care about baseball, and I, I don't think they will. I think it's just one of those things where they have their cricket for however entertaining they find that, and 
They just care about soccer. <laughs> so I like. I just don't think it's going to be as captivating as MLB thinks it's going to be. It's a good move by them to bring their two most storied franchises over. But I mean, at the at most, it's just going to be us watching anyway, with no one in the stands. So it's going to feel kind of weird watching Red Sox Yankees with no one there. I. That's how I feel. I I could be pleasantly surprised, but I I think it's kind of a stupid idea. Jordan, what about you? Um, I think, yeah, I think that sending this matchup there is not the best idea, just because it's the Red Sox Yankees. Uh, obviously, it's a highly profitable thing for the MLB, and that's probably why they are going to do it. The Red Sox Yankees, that rivalry alone, will have the biggest draw, especially international. Um, and yeah, I just. I don't know. I'm all for growing the game. However, I wish they were doing it with the like the way that the NFL does, where they give uh, like the Jaguars. The, and, yeah, exactly. The yeah. worst two teams. Hey, you like this? We can talk. If you guys show right. up to this, you know, let's. I mean, we don't need to sit them with the worst two teams in the league. But does it need to be the premier matchup in all of baseball? You asked for it. Here's the Royals and Orioles in London. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, we no, did... but I, I know what you're saying. Go ahead. Nah, I was I, like, I know what Jordan's saying. Like, I get it from like from a fan's perspective who actually cares about these games, especially Red Sox Yankees. Like, you're robbing the Red Sox of home games. I believe I think it's the Red Sox that are the home team for this. So you're robbing yeah. them of, of two home games at Fenway. I mean, either way you cut it, it someone's getting screwed out of this, and it, it just happens to be the Red Sox in this case. But yeah, Jordan, I, I get what you're saying. I know from MLB standpoint, it's Oh, this this is the best two teams that we have that we can bring over there, um, and they just want to jump on it quick. Um, but yeah, I, I did, like I don't think that this is gonna take take off like the NFL did, just because there's no, it's not as live and fast as the other sports that these uh, the Brits are used to, like soccer or, or Quidditch. <laughs> Not Quidditch, but <laughs> I was sitting here like, okay, who's gonna tell him? <laughs> no, 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 a little Harry Potter joke there, but um, yeah, no, I just don't think it's gonna take off. And if they want to try with the Red Sox Yankees, I honestly hope it doesn't take off, so they don't have to do this every year now. But who's to say? Um, we're getting it, so we might as well just be entertained by what we have now. Yeah, I was gonna say we kind of had this earlier in the year, like on on the opening day. That's a week before opening day with uh it was athletics and mariners if my memory serving right. correctly um so i don't mind it then um if you're gonna do it early in the year when you know division when the travel you like now the red sox and the yankees are, are taking precious days off in the middle of the season to travel and um and i just don't like that i don't like the way it's the way it's placed in the middle of the season i don't like what you guys are saying with you're taking the rivalry overseas you're taking the advantage of Fenway Park completely out of the equation yep I think there's so much in this that's that's finite to to what maybe it's not like the NFL where you could hypothetically put a team in London someday you're not you're not sending the you're not sending the Blue Jays to London for a three-game series in the middle of July and expecting them to come back and then play the Orioles on Friday so exactly and yeah, and I think the like even the Mariners and A's series too. The like I was okay with that one because that was more of a send off for each road than anything else. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, there there was a reason and there's a time and place for stuff like that. But the London thing, yeah, in the middle of the season when you're like 
it's going to be the dog days of summer. Like this is when teams really need to like kind of have that rhythm going and you're just taking two. And, and of course, you know, the AL East is so competitive as it is. You're just taking the two best teams in terms of just profitability and you're sticking them overseas and we're getting robbed of a great series, hopefully a great series. So yeah, that's, that's my biggest issue with it. Jordan, when you're looking at that from a gambling perspective, do those just scream under, under, under to you? Uh, yeah, and also depending on how much time they have when they come back, I would probably be fading both teams um, when they come back and play opposing teams. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I haven't looked at the schedule to see, are they playing nighttime there or are they playing Ooh, nighttime that's actually us? That's actually like, a good way um, to look at it. It's nighttime there. so It the, is. Yeah, the first pitch here is like one or two. So, yeah, it'll be like a 7 o'clock first pitch over there. Okay, yeah. So it's at least it's like an afternoon game for them. Um, with the NFL, that was always what was really fun is they were playing like the early afternoon games. I think it was equating to basically a 12 p.m. kickoff, um, which is earlier than other teams play. So you were getting such mismatches during the NFL games. Personally, I've always enjoyed the London games because they come on at like – 6.30 in the morning, uh, being on the West Coast, you can start, you don't start that early, but you can basically just watch football straight through the day. Uh, so that was always fun, but I'm not going to have quite the same feeling here with uh, Sox-Yankees in London. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And, 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 you know, just to kind of piggyback off of looking ahead, we'll look further ahead to the trade deadline. And gentlemen, when, when, when we look at the standings right now, you look at the teams that are kind of sitting there and and you know maybe you're a team like the indians that thought you were going to be a contender or a team to stay in the in the central like the twins who are now have a double digit lead who's what do you guys look at buyers and sellers at the deadline i can kick it off here um so who i'm really liking as far as whether they're going to be buyers or sellers the mets i talked about this uh either last week or week before about Syndergaard and whether they would be able to keep him or not um, another one of interest to in me also in the NL East is the Nationals. Curious to see what they end up doing as they still are not playing well. Uh, real quickly, looking at the standings. They're six the and Nationals, a half out. Yeah, they're six and a half out. They're 26 and 33. Uh, they actually have been playing some much better ball since they got Trey Turner back. Uh, they're seven and three in their last 10. So they are picking it up, but I think they're going to have to make vast improvements otherwise they should probably try and sell what they can obviously you don't go out and you don't trade uh your premier pitchers hopefully uh you don't trade players like trey turner but see what else you can scrape off there just to see what type of younger prospects you can get to build towards the future uh considering you did just lose your best player in the history of your franchise and free agency Mm -hmm. yeah no the nationals are, are a funny one to me too uh, for kind of the same reasons, but when you think about it, so six and a half games out right now. That division, uh, I believe it's Atlanta at top with 33 wins right now. So it's not like this is the Royals being 21 and a half games out and you have to, you know, you're going to sell. I look at them as sellers clearly from the standpoint that they're playing, they can't beat the teams in their division, which is always a problem. Um, it does, and that's what it boils down to for me. Uh, same with the Mets and the Mets are only four and a half out right now, I believe. But I look at these two teams. I just don't think that they have enough staying power within their own division because Philly's still there too. 
Um, for whatever reason, the Marlins seem to beat the Mets when they play them, and the Nationals uh, have some issues with the Marlins too. Not to say that that's a reason that they're going to sell, but when you can't beat your division teams and you're struggling like this where you're just kind of treading water, it becomes a, a tough situation, and I think both the teams are sellers. And I think that you're right, Jordan. They, they are going to have to start trading some of these bigger pieces because they have to kind of rebuild on the fly. Um, I don't think they have to tear it down by any means, but when you look at it, Scherzer, um, you know, potentially being dealt. I think he's going to be dealt personally, and I said that in the last episode. But look at Rendon, who's going to be a free agent. He's a he's a marquee player, and he is one of the blue chip prospect or trade ships out there. When you look at the current standings in all of baseball, so there's going to be some interesting decisions that come down, and again. I just don't think both these teams have enough internal fixes that they can plug to get back to where they need to be. Okay, when you guys look at, uh, what about buyers? Who who, who uh, jumps off the page to you guys? Jordan, let's I'll start with you again. First again. Yeah. Um, I think the Twins, we had mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we had talked about them being a potential landing spot for big-name pitcher. Um, some other teams I think could be buyers. The Braves. Uh, Braves went after and flirted with a lot of bigger name free agents this offseason. They did not end up getting any. Um, and I think that this will be their opportunity to make that big splash that they thought. Uh, last team that I will mention is going to be the Cardinals. Uh, I think that the Cardinals will be buyers. I think the Cardinals will be able to pick it up. Um, I don't think that the Cardinals are going to keep Ozuna long term. Um, Although he is playing extremely well, they do have a really good uh, player who's barely getting any time right now, Tyler O'Neill. He's mm-hmm. played sparingly, um, but he is right now in like a weird outfield platoon role. When he's a young player with on, I think he's obviously still free. Uh, he's on, he's ar- arbitration eligible. Yep. He's like 22 or 23 years old. So they're trying to get him more playing time. Ozuna's batting. 240, uh, 250-ish. And although his power numbers are still there, he's slugging very well. I think he's like 15 or 16 home runs. I think that that's a player they can step away from in order to acquire a pitcher. They really need uh, some pitching help. That was their big concern this year. They have demoted Michael Walker to the uh, bullpen as of late. So I think that they're going to need be buyers at the deadline uh, for a starter pitcher perhaps. Uh, someone from down in Miami, whether it be Richards or uh, Smith. Yeah, and for the buyers, for me, like it's funny when I look at the buyers, we always kind of tend to look at just teams that are in first place in the division or they have a sizable lead. I don't think it's always the case when you look at some of these teams, like the Astros. Clearly, like we look at them as buyers because of their position, but I don't think they need too too much. Um, I can't. Th- I can't think of any glaring holes or weaknesses in that lineup. The Phillies definitely could use some bullpen help, uh, potentially a starting pitcher. The Braves are in the same position, in my opinion, specifically with the bullpen. Um, The Red Sox will be interesting to me. I have them listed as buyers, but again, we'll see where that kind of goes. They're more of an in-between team for me. The Twins definitely need a starter at some point. Um, And then the Yankees... I mean, there's enough holes that you can fill there. So, but yeah, I agree with the Cardinals. I think, you know, Tyler O'Neill is a good point. They have Dexter Fowler. They could trade as well. Um, 
And then another in-between team that I'm really interested in right now, I guess two of them is the Rangers and the Rockies for kind of the same reasons. Both teams have great lineups, and we know that they can hit the piss out of the ball, but the Rangers, for whatever reason, are still in it right now uh, in terms of just where they stand hunting a wild card spot. They're not going to catch the Astros. So, sorry, Texas, but... Um, they need a starting. They need a legit starting pitcher. They can't keep running out the same like Lance Lynn, and uh-huh. like, it, it, it's atrocious what they're running out there. But they're winning games because they just keep hitting the shit out of the ball. So it's yep. the same thing with the Rockies. Uh, of course, the Denver effect. Jordan, you know all about it. Um, but I like that's for me. Those are the the most glaring needs, and they're in between only because the divisions they play in. So they're inevitably chasing a wild card spot because the Rockies aren't catching the Dodgers and the Rangers aren't catching the Astros. So you have to kind of sit there as a GM and think, what can I do that will take me to that next spot that I'm trying to get to, knowing that it's only going to be a one-game play And Do you really sell off everything you have for that one wild card game? Or do you just kind of stand pat and think, all right, we're rebuilding, we're farther along than we thought we were going to be? Um, or do you just kind of seize the moment and go for it? And, and I guess that's a question that I'll pose to both of you here. Jordan, you want to lead off? Yeah. Um, are you speaking specifically to the Rangers or just any team, Brendan? Uh, I guess, I mean, the Rangers is kind of the jumping off point. But, yeah, any team in that position where you know that you're not going to catch the division leader, but there's a shot maybe that you could get that wild card, the play-in game now. Because uh, it's not what it was a few years ago, right? It's one game. So are you really going to risk everything for that one game? True. Good point. Um, for the Rangers specifically, I think that they should – unless that they can really make up ground now uh, and they can play well without Joey Gallo. Uh, He's got some nagging injury. I think he'll be back in like a week or two. Um, But I think that they should stand pat. They have, and we'll allude to this later on in the show, uh, but they have some pretty good prospects, uh, especially arms, which is the area where they are hurting the most right now. Um, unless that they are able to get rid of some of the contracts, like you had mentioned, the Lance Lynn's, the stuff like that, I'm not sure that they should really be trading away prospects right now. They are still two years away from a brand new stadium. I think that unless there's a team who is giving up a, a premier player, or a player that is out of this world, it can change a franchise, I really think that they should hold on to what they have, uh, make some small moves, if anything, build some depth, uh, acquire contracts that are a little bit longer term versus just the one, two year deals uh, and go from there. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. agree. I'm gonna agree with everything you said there, Jordan. Because I think if and the word I'm gonna use is extend the window, because you don't want to make a big splash move right now that's gonna be high risk, high reward for like you said, seven a one game playoff that you know it might bite you in the ass if you get there. Um, I think you make small moves. You you you, you get team friendly contracts. Um, you hold on to your to your bigger name prospects, and you just try and extend how long you can be competitive. Um, in this division, and it's it's going to be tough, and in, in that AL West with the with the Astros set up to be good for a long, long time, and a team like the Athletics, who we're going to talk about later, uh, also being pretty competitive in that division. But I think for the for the Rangers, you know, I think they've they've played well so far, um, but not well enough to go all in at a, at a wild card game. Yeah, I, I get so a hypothetical. I just thought of it. Um, what if the Nationals? Get, offer you Rendon for two of those pitching prospects. If you're the Rangers, 
is that enough knowing that you, you you have to resign him now because he's a free agent is that enough for you to say that this is worth it we're getting a premier player a building block he's still young enough where we can build around him couple him with joey gallo in that lineup like a move like that is does that sway you any different way so actually that's the position they need the most help at uh third base is i was looking through their farm system even third base is the area where they're a little bit thin so perhaps but i think you'd need one of those handshake gentlemen's agreements where that he'd have to say yeah I'll, I'll sign with you for four years that's exactly what uh, i was before gonna say they make the deal because they can't trade away their best prospects for rendon to go nah, nah i'm gonna go with the mets uh and he ends up wearing the other pinstripes uh, up there in new york this year and then they are stuck holding the bag. They don't have their future uh, pitching prospects, and they still have an empty third base slot. Right. Yeah, it took the words right out of my mouth there. Uh, it's got to have that that sign or that trade and then extend. Uh, yeah, if it were, I, mean, I don't know, if it were any above average, uh, like a 2.4 war third baseman, I think that they should possibly look at making a deal um but if it's anthony rendon in the last year of his deal yeah he's still young but you need some type of long term or some type of stability at least for two to three years so you aren't having to worry about trying to tie up all of your cap uh with that re-signing of him yeah no i agree 100 percent with you on that one all right uh looking back on the week that was jordan nail on the head with your curtain call with the cards taking two out of three with the Cubs. Uh, you want to take a bow or a standing or a curtain call, actually? What do you got? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I will go up. I'll, first, let me go put on some sunscreen real quick. Don't want to show off this shiny thing without uh, putting some sunscreen on first. Uh, the cards ended up actually, I believe they swept them. Yeah, they did end up sweeping them, which I was a little surprised by. Um, I knew that you Darvish was going for in one of the games, and I knew that they had an unconfirmed starter, talking about the Cubs in another game. So I really like those matchups. Uh, but you Darvish ended up having his best game of the season. He threw six innings. He didn't get lit up. Um, I think he only had, like, one earned run. Like, it, it wasn't a bad outing for him, and I was really shocked. I remember I turned on the game. That was the game on Friday, I want to say. Yeah, it was. It was the Friday. Or, sorry, no, Saturday game. And I turned it on, and I was shocked. It was the fifth inning, and Yu Darvish was still piss- pitching, and the bases weren't loaded. So that was surprising to see. Uh, but, yeah, their bats woke up a little bit this week. Uh, they had some good luck out there on the mound. Uh, Wainwright pitched well at home. They had Jake Flaherty and Miles Mikolas uh, pitching well. So it was really good uh, for the Cardinals there. They are starting to make up some of that ground in the NL Central that I alluded to. So that's good to see. Um, and as I mentioned, they're still, they need to make a move um, for their rotation. Otherwise, they'll kind of just be in this flirting with the Cubs for probably the remainder of the season. All right. Yeah, oh, no, sorry, I think it's. Yeah, no, that, that was uh, good on you. Uh, you called, you called that great series. Uh, you Darvish did actually pitch a pretty competent game. I was surprised by that one too. Um, yeah, I think the Cardinals are in a good spot right now in terms of just where they are after that series. That division is so tight. Like, holy it's incredible. Shit. I I was looking at it today and just like the Reds are still in it. 
I know you mentioned it last week mm-hmm. too. On but the Reds are like conceivably <laughs> still in that division, seven um, games back right now. Yeah, but that's not that's not like out of it. Um, no, not the at all. Pirates too. Yeah, the Pirates and the, like they're like they just won't go away. And, and I feel like the Pirates go on these weird streaks, and they they like always get above five hundred for like a week, and then they go crashing back down. So, the like the most Jekyll and Hyde division I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. You know, to have it's seven games. If, but, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, if, if Bell doesn't hit well uh, for the Pirates, they don't do well. It, they are 100% reliant on him. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because they have no one else. It's it's legit. Like It's it's Bell, and even their pitching is taking a step back. Yeah, I, I don't know how. I, I mean, I know how because they're relying on one person right now, but it's just so streaky right now. It's just a tough way to play. That whole division's crazy, and, and you know you alluded to it with the Reds and the Pirates. Seven games between top and bottom. The next closest is twelve, and that's the a, the NL East. Um, that's that's just wild to me how how tight that is. And but you know what? I kind of saw it coming, but I didn't think it it actually come true. I thought that one of those teams would fall off. Yeah, no, I kind of expected it too. But yeah, it's it's toit like a toiger. Um, very competitive right now. I'm actually it'll be. It, it's interesting when you think about it with the Brewers like kind of under the radar right now. Um, I think they're in third at this point. I might be wrong. No, they're in third um, by like not much at all. Uh, oh no, they're in first now. Sorry, I was looking at the. Uh, doesn't matter what I was looking at. My whole idea of this division is screwed up beyond belief. But yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, one game. Chicago is back. One game. St. Louis is now three games back. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati just still somehow in it. All right, moving on. Our story of the week, and it's kind of in the story of the year, is just the wild injuries. Um, and we asked all you listeners and fans of the Breakdown Sports to send in yours, but we're going to lead with the one that, that sent us here, and that's Carlos Correa fracturing a rib, getting a deep tissue massage. I, we talked about, was he just working from home? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I when I saw this break, like the headline, and I saw he had a fractured rib, I was like, oh, that sucks. You know, he's out for a while. And then I read how, or allegedly how. <laughs> um, I First of all, no one's buying this, right? No. Okay. No. So we're all on the same page. Um, yeah, my whole thought was, unless you're getting rubbed down by the fucking Incredible Hulk, there's no way that a masseuse would snap your rib. Because that's how he said it had, it snapped. Like, he might be made of glass then. But his uh, his lovely fiancé and him... This is the weirdest part for me. They, they released a video on her YouTube channel to, I guess, kind of like quell all the rumors or speculation around this injury... And it was like, it reminded me of that South Park episode when Gerald Broflowski can't stop like sniffing cat piss and he like, his wife is standing there next to him on the podium, like to assure everyone, like, it's all right. Like he's fine. Like that's the vibe I got from this. It was almost so, it was so forced and so fake. And she's looking at him like, don't spill the beans, Carlos. They're waiting for you to fuck up here. And he was just like reading off a teleprompter. It was the most cringeworthy, like I weird video i've seen all year um so yeah there's no fucking way that a masseuse broke his rib so yeah i'm going with that carlos correa was 
slash working from home or uh, she wasn't a professional masseuse. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Professional and something else. <laughs> Yeah, I was say, is, is that is her official title masseuse? Is that what you're getting at here? <laughs> yes, I think if you were to look this uh, this woman up in the phone book, it would be labeled under a masseuse. But uh, she's somewhere in the back pages for a reason. So let's just say, Carlos, I'm on to you, buddy. No amount of fucking YouTube videos is gonna change that. See, you thought of the uh, the South Park episode. I thought of that episode of. How I Met Your Mother when uh, Barney's trying to get to 200 and he has to have sex with the the, the, the bodybuilder. Yes. I just thought that that too must have been massaged him. Oh my god, no, like Napoleon Dynamite with uh, the fucking guy's wife, Starla, who's like, he's jacked beyond belief. Oh my god. Break the wrist and walk away. Oh my god. Break the rib and walk away in this case. Oh, yeah. Exactly. All right. We got a, a plethora of responses from you listeners, and, and we thank you for them. And you can always tweet us at the Breakdown Sports at Real Seven Costanza at Gordon Von Denham and at T Caraselli Eight. Uh, but do you guys want to go round round in a circle here and and t- uh, go through our favorite injuries? Yeah, that yeah. sounds like a plan. Absolutely. Let me kick it off. Um, I'm going to start with Aaron Sanchez. Um, Someone had brought this up to me. It was actually AJ from The Breakdown. He brings it up to me. He goes, you got to look into Aaron Sanchez's finger injuries. I'm like, what the hell is this guy talking about? He's like, he just went on the DL again. So I had seen that he went down this week, uh, or last week actually, with some type of blister on his middle finger. Okay, Happens to pitchers once in a blue moon, right? No, not Aaron Sanchez. Aaron Sanchez has had six middle finger injuries within the last three seasons four of which were blisters one was a cut and the other uh i can't remember what they were calling it but basically he pulled a muscle in his middle finger i'm not sure sure what he's doing with his middle fingers he's working he's from home. pulling muscles yeah exactly <laughs> <He's working laughs> But uh, And then someone ended up tweeting out a graphic, an account that we follow, and it was from the Toronto's regional network, whatever channel they play on locally, and it was all of his finger injuries over the past like three or four seasons. It was hysterical. Uh, Brendan, you want to take one? Yeah, sure. So uh, one that came across uh, my view today before we recorded, uh, <laughs> Java Chamberlain. So, this, I mean... I don't want to make light of it because apparently this this was pretty serious. I'm making light of it already. I can't fucking say this without laughing. But uh, apparently this was pretty serious. Uh, for those of you who might remember, uh, Jabba Chamberlain was being a good dad in the offseason, playing with his kid on a trampoline. And I want to say it was like Nebraska or o- Oklahoma where he's from. Uh, it was in the middle of nowhere. And what happened was uh, they were roughhousing and things got out of hand and daddy came crashing down and broke his ankle or tore it up. But as, as bad as that was, cause that was a bad injury to begin with. I guess the, some sources on the Yankees said at the time that they feared for Jabba's life because he was losing so much blood from the trampoline. So when I read this, I was like almost astounded just thinking like this man could have died from jumping on a fucking kid's toy. So there was that, um, another Yankee injury that I think, I think happened not too, too far after, uh, Brian Cashman, the GM broke his leg skydiving. 
So, uh, yeah, there was a, a time where crazy injuries were plaguing the New York Yankees, um, but none worse than that Chamberlain one. Apparently, it was uh, life-threatening playing with the kids' toys. So that was uh, that was my, my big one that I wanted to get off. All right, I'll go next. Uh, staying with the being a good dad, Ian Stewart in 2014 uh, missed a couple spring training games because he broke his nose putting his daughter to, pet, to bed. Apparently... <laughs> Apparently he put her down in bed and then she headbutted him. <laughs> Whoa! And and he goes, I heard a crack, felt blood, and knew it wasn't good. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what the fuck? Jordan, your turn. Yeah, uh, one that we got from one of our followers on Twitter. Uh, she said, "So I'm a chick. So when I was nine or ten, I was playing left field in a softball game." I freaked the fuck out when a ball was actually hit my way. I remember putting my glove up, but I closed my eyes. Next thing I know, the softball hit me square in the left eye, and I had a black eye for weeks. I'm sure a lot of us who have played ball have gotten hit in the face with the ball at one time, but never squarely in the eye. Like I would often get it like off my lip or like my chin if yeah. it especially when I was younger, if it went off the top of my glove or I was just a blind motherfucker and I couldn't actually uh, see anything, especially outfield. God, don't get me started. Um, <laughs> but never right in the eyes. Any of you guys have any like that happen to you personally? Um, yeah, I took a grounder like off the chin and like split my lip open. And I want to say I was in like third or fourth grade when that happened. That one actually, that hurt like hell. I remember, um, and I was taking like we were taking grounders before the game, and that happened. So yeah, clearly I wasn't uh, on my way to my best game. So, but that was the most painful uh, like facial injury I got in baseball. Uh, my sister will kill me for telling this story on pod, but she was playing. She was warming up for a softball game uh, when she was like 13 years old, and she was just playing catch, playing catch. And somebody goes, "Hey, Kristen!" She turns her face, throw comes in, gets her square in the nose, and breaks it. <laughs> nice. Me and my dad had just just like sat down in our lawn chairs. My dad had cracked open his first beers. I'm like, nope, here we go to the hospital. Oh my god. Ah, <laughs> oh, the worst. All right, seven, That's you're up. One. Yeah, there's uh there's a few here we can go through. Um, oh my god, we gotta talk about uh, the greatest of all time, maybe in some in someone's opinion, a few people's opinion, I'm sure, Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, so he was known for a bunch of nagging injuries in the later stages of his career, um, but many might not know when he was still with the Mariners uh, before a game. And I think we've all been there, boys, but sometimes you put your cup on uh, a little awkwardly. Well, uh, Griffey, when he was putting his cup on, he uh, he pinched his plums a little bit, uh, <laughs> clipped his B-sack, and apparently it was painful enough for him to miss the game. Uh, it didn't require any like lengthy stay on the DL at the time, but yeah, it was that that was one I I was like, wow, really? Like Hank Griffey Jr. like missed a game because he clipped his nutsacks. But yeah, so that was uh, that was a weird one to read, but for sure that was one I had to mention. That's such a gem. Um, <laughs> pun not intended there. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh shoot, I just had one that I that's not in our uh, not in our rundown that I was going to surprise you guys with. Uh, in 2011, Indians then rookie Jason Kipnis strains his hamstring while stretching his hamstrings. <laughs> of course. What? Yeah. He was. He must Logically. have been tighter than a drum. <laughs> like, 
Dude, Jason, like, you, have you never fucking touched your toes before? Like, how does that happen? I can I can only imagine. I can only imagine just like you like it's it's literally like they rip your pants, but instead it's rip your hamstring. You're just like, uh, <laughs> oh, there it goes. <laughs> oh, nice. and it's gone. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and DL. Oh, uh, wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. This actually this one actually yeah. was what, the one I was gonna say, and it came to us from uh, at Bilthy underscore a good friend of mine, Bill Billy Kelly, um, Steven Strasburg in 2012. Missed a couple days after a prank from a teammates uh, with icy hot in his jockstrap. Oh no! Sticking that with the like McNuggets cool. theme. Sticking yeah, with the McNuggets like... theme. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's no fun. Poor guy. Yeah. Uh, one that we had gotten from uh, someone else in the Toronto crew at the breakdown. Uh, brought light to Russell Martin, which I don't know how I hadn't have heard this before. I guess Russell Martin, uh, big fan of saunas, uh, was in the sauna before he was planning to go take a shower. So he's in the sauna. He said he was sitting there for a while, and he wasn't feeling very well when he went to get out. So he wanted to take it slow. He didn't want to hop right into the shower. He said next thing he knew, he was laying on the ground. He said he had somehow, like, struck himself with the wand of the shower uh, and <laughs> injured his knee and ended up missing, like, a week's worth of games because of a slip and fall in the sauna slash shower slash he passed out. While we're so, talking um, shower, do we want to uh, talk about Blake Snell? This was this year. I was about to say. Yeah, I was about to say. That's uh, another shower injury that's recent with Blake Snell, who definitely wasn't moving something uh he's moving something but uh moving some hip yeah moving some hip working from home in the shower <laughs> um, I, I, there's no fucking way that guy was moving furniture we should just put that one out there um I, he's he's fine he's no worse for the wear now he's he's back and he's pitching like the Cy Young he was last year so um but yeah i gotta mention that there's been two shower injuries uh in recent memory now that's so good <laughs> but sticking with um, sticking with the sauna theme, like that whole theme of uh, I guess just self care. That's not really self care, but um, when we think of like Marty Cordova when he he fell asleep in a fucking tanning bed, and it, his skin was um, damaged so bad that the doctor recommended that he does not he he can't he couldn't play in day games. Because <laughs> after a certain hour, the sun would be too much for him, so they had to only play him in night games because he fell asleep in a fucking tanning bed. Poor so, Marty. Yeah, that's, so, that's a tough one. So do you think that in that situation, he was like, it was like a 7.05 start, and he had to like come in in the fourth after the sun went down? Or Yeah, it must have been something like that, like <laughs> middle of the game. like or Yeah, just if they have like a, a 4 or 6 o'clock like start or something like that where the sun's still out. In late summer, and Cordova is just sitting on the bench, like, oh, you can't put him in yet. The sun's still out. We gotta wait. He probably showed up looking so bronzed and like orange that just, like no one knew what to do with him. He's going up to Mike Hargrove, who was the manager in 02 when it happened, and is like, yeah, skip. Sun's still up. Can't come in yet. Wait. <laughs> wait. Okay, it's officially sunset. Give me a bat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> His day and night splits were incredible that year. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Most right. bizarre thing, he had no day starts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, sticking with sleep, 
uh, we can't talk bizarre <laughs> injuries without Glenn Allen Hill. Oh, <laughs> the the God. then Blue Jays outfielder fell out of bed and crashed into a glass table while having that he was having a nightmare that he was covered in spiders. <laughs> his then manager uh, said, "Yeah, sure you did." <laughs> yep. Nah, that was a, that's a tough one, man. Like, I, I don't know. If, I'm not a sleepwalker, but I, I'm sure some people out there are. But I used to be. That's gotta be a tough. Oh, really? Yeah. So, did you ever have dreams of spiders chasing you and you fell through a glass table? No, I when I was young, <laughs> I would, I, would, I just like my I'd, I'd wake up in the morning with like. My mom would be like, do you remember being in the kitchen last night, like, climbing on a chair? And I was like, nope. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you and Glen Allen Hill have something in common, then. Uh, no glass Except tables for, the whole for night. me. Yeah, no <laughs> night terrors and no spiders, but I guess you're both uh, sleep-deprived. <laughs> so, my last one uh, is our journeyman, Steve Sparks. Uh <laughs> Being a Boston fan, I'm obviously a little fond of the knuckleballer. However, this knuckleballer, dumbass. Steve Sparks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was one of his first years in the league. Uh, said it happened in 94, so it co- possibly could have even been like rookie season or second year in the league. He tried to rip a phone book in half, and he dislocated his shoulder. What oh, a fucking yeah. idiot. If I were, the, he was on the Brewers at the time. If I were the Brewers, great. Yep, you're gone. Fuck that. Yeah, thanks Get for coming, out. kid. It, if you're <laughs> honestly trying to rip phone books in half and <laughs> not realizing the consequences that can come from doing that, take a hike. Oh, my God. You figure that, ni- a- that 95 Brewers theme, you think you just turned to John Jaha and was just like, hey, check this out. <laughs> Yeah, ripping a phone, like, that's such a flex, too. Like, just thinking, like, I can do this. And then, nope, your shoulder just fucking pops. <laughs> no, you, you can't. You got all the way to M in the phone book before you realize that you couldn't do it. M for massage? Like, was he... M for massage. <laughs> yep. Was he trying to get a fucking happy hour deal at North Florida Bar? I don't get it. Who, <laughs> Sparks or Korea? <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> Korea was looking right. for a happy hour, but not like that. Yeah. <laughs> happy three minutes. Yeah, happy three minutes. Got the number from Bob Kraft on that one. Jesus. <laughs> Seven, you got any to wrap things up? Uh, no, there's been, a, I mean, a couple more real real quick with, um, I don't know, if baseball, for some reason, uh, don't sneeze if you're in baseball because... Um, Sammy Sosa cracked a rib sneezing, um, which was bad enough. And then Kevin Pillar recently also, uh, he strained his oblique, which actually might might have kept him out longer than Sosa uh, when he strained his oblique. It was like a severe oblique strain, uh, but he did that sneezing as well. So uh, if you have to sneeze, make sure it's not on game day, I guess, and you should be fine. <laughs> Stay away from sneezing. Love yeah. that. Uh, Jordan, anyone to wrap it up, or was it was uh, Steve Sparks your final? Steve Sparks is my final. You can't top that one. Yeah, you got a mic drop (laughs) on Steve Sparks. I'm trying to rip a phone book in half. All right, let's go to our fantasy corner then. And by the way, thank you to all the listeners for submitting. We really appreciate that. Um, Do we want to say tweet us your best? Tweet us your favorite of all the ones we mentioned? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, let's do that. Let's give it a shot. Tweet us your favorite at the Breakdown Um, Sports. Be sure to tag us in it as well. Yeah, we we can narrow it down. I mean, we know Steve Sparks is up there. Yeah, um, we gotta go. We gotta go Mount Rushmore and even put up a poll. Yeah, Ooh. I think so. I think we're gonna do a poll. All right, 
do we want to try and hash this out now who are four are yeah so i think i think steve sparks is definitely on there yep has to be do we want to go i think glenn allen hill glenn allen hill, glenn allen hill has to, there, has yeah. to. Yeah. marty cordova yeah cordova and then what's the what's the, the wild sun. card there i like ian stewart his daughter just headbutting him like oh, so that's intense i was gonna say griffey pinching a nut yeah, but a broken nose from your own flesh True. and blood just fucking bull rushing you going down <laughs> to bed. Just that's that's better, I think. No, Dad. Whap. <laughs> no. I don't wanna go to bed. I said I wanted juice. <laughs> <laughs> What's this purple? <laughs> So yeah, there's there's a top four for you to choose from. <laughs> so Steve Sparks, Glenn Allen Hill, Marty Cordova, and Ian Stewart are gonna make it to the poll, uh, and you can vote on your favorite at the Breakdown Sports. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's go to our let's go to our fantasy corner. Uh, one batter and one pitcher this week and a flare to watch. Uh, seven. Who do you, who, who's the guy our guys to watch this week? What do you think? So I kind I want to kick it off with the pitcher here uh, with Lucas Giolito, and for our listeners, uh, there's going to be a much more detailed piece coming out on Giolito and the 2016 White Sox, who were a complete fucking dumpster fire. So look out for that this week. But um, looking at Giolito's numbers, so they're amazing across the board this year. Just for reference, he was statistically the worst pitcher in the MLB last year. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at these numbers. But um, his last two starts, this is, I think this is before his last start that happened on Monday or Sunday, I want to say. Uh, but 15 innings pitched, one win, 19 strikeouts. The whip is what I want to center on, though, 0.59 whip, which is, like, otherworldly elite. Um, on the year, he's 8-1. and one. That whip is still under one at 0.95. But the thing about Giolito this year that's so much different is that he's staying in the game longer, and it's evidenced by he has two complete games already. It leads the league. Uh, that's two more than he had all of last year. He had zero last year, in case you couldn't do math. But uh, two complete games already. 78 strikeouts, and he leads the league with a 2.55 FIP. So there's been some type of a renaissance here on him. Uh, this is a guy that he used to be heralded as the top pitching prospect in baseball uh, ahead of him being traded from the Nationals to the White Sox uh, for Adam Eaton. Um, Giolito, so he came up, struggled, sent him back down, came up again, ended up having decent numbers and like, I want to say between 40 and 50 innings pitched. Last year was a complete train wreck. So uh, very encouraging to see that he's actually putting it all together right now. And this isn't a fluke either. So, uh, for fantasy purposes, I doubt he's available in many leagues anymore. If he is, go scoop him up immediately. This guy is pitching at insane level right now. Um, I know he plays for the White Sox, but you can't argue the number he's putting up right now. So he's going to get you some points. If he's still available, go pick him up. Jordan, any hitters you want to take a look at in uh, in fantasy baseball this week? Yeah. Um, who I'm really liking this week, and he's likely rostered, I would assume if he's not Jesus, you need to be 
playing for more money in the league that you're in. Trevor Story, uh, he's batting over 500 within the last week. Uh, he's actually been doing very well. He started picking it up in the last homestand. Uh, Rockies actually, I believe they're like 9-1 and one in their last homestand. So they were doing really well. He had two home runs. He had seven RBIs. And he ended up getting two bags as well. Uh, on the year, he's hitting close to 300. He has 15 home runs. Uh, three times that in RBIs with 45. He's got a decent amount of extra base hits, uh, which is one of the things that he really needs. He is someone who historically has struggled with strikeouts very much. Um, but this year, he's not doing too bad. He's hitting close to 300. That's up over his career average, and I believe it's probably better than his best year. Uh, and he leads the league in runs, so he's getting pushed around, which is great. When you have that lineup where you've got Blackman, you have... Arenado and Trevor Story all hitting at the front in the front half of the lineup is a deadly lineup, and it's great to see that not only is he driving in the runs, but he's getting hit home as well. A uh, player that I also want to mention as a player to watch is Devin Smeltzer. He is one of the, I think he's the rookie on the twin staff right now. Yep. He's only made a few appearances, but he's pitched very well. He's actually only had one appearance, but he went six innings. He had seven strikeouts in his first appearance and this is his first time being called up to the big leagues uh, he was traded from the dodgers over to the twins the last season uh, i am not sure as part of what trade though. i think it was the but, dozier trade oh was it yeah wow. i think it was um he's doing really well this year and they actually need him because they need to get michael pinata out of that lineup <laughs> um so Zing. we really hope if we want the twins to do well which i think maybe one to one and a half of us maybe do and one of us definitely does not uh <laughs> devin smelter should really will need to pick it up he's only owned in 40 percent of yahoo leagues right now so go ahead and pick him up uh he's probably going to be sticking around that twins rotation for quite some time now let's give pineda some more innings and let's just send this guy back down i don't, I don't yeah. i'm not a fan <laughs> star pineda there we go <laughs> yeah all right so i'm gonna touch on one uh that's not you know, available in any fantasy league because it's college softball. But Rachel Garcia had a week worth noting here in uh, as we get closer and closer to the College World Series finals um, against Washington in the NCAA tournament. She went out through 10 innings, uh, no earned, and casually just dropped a walk-off bomb uh, through 179 pitches, struck out 10, and or I'm sorry, struck out 16. I'm sorry, um, and just absolutely shoved. She lowered her uh, season ERA to 104. Her, she has a WHIP of .76 on the year. Uh, she's hitting 347. She's dropping ding dongs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is unreal, and, and I think it's worth the conversation of maybe the most dominant single-player performance in a game, maybe ever. I mean, 16 Ks, 10 innings, just shy of 180 pitches, and a walk-off in the college it, or in the, in the tournament. It reminds me of the dead ball era when uh, pitchers were throwing for fucking 200 uh, pitches in a game. Yeah. They were going 14 innings. They were batting, and they also had uh, helped someone move in the middle of a game. Like... It's incredible. That is an incredible <laughs> stat line for her. And for her to then hit the walk-off after going the distance and carrying her team with a 
dominant pitching performance is truly incredible. And, like, yeah. I get it. I get it that, like, softball pitchers are able to carry those higher pitch counts. Like, her, she, she's thrown 195 innings on the year and has a 28-1 record with four saves. So, like, softball pitchers are going to ha- carry higher decisions. But, like, holy cow. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I understand how the – it's a little different being able to carry more decisions like that. Um, I think like, throwing – it doesn't matter if you throw overhand or underhand, in my opinion. If you throw 180 pitches over 10 innings, 16 strikeouts, it's impressive to say the least. Um, but, yeah, that's just like – that's putting the team on her back and just yeah. willing it to the finish line. Her season high before that came back on March 29th with 126 pitches. So she went – wow. 53 more than her season high and just absolutely carried it and so good luck to ucla uh the rest of the way uh but i definitely thought that was a performance worth noting yeah for sure how far away are we from the men's and women's uh world series the women's Uh... i think we're dangerously close to the women's the men's just got to super regionals so uh, they'll play a two out of three series, and then we'll be in Omaha. Yeah, I think I think we're in Oklahoma City for uh, the women's right now. Okay, all right. Well, shit. I mean, we're already in June, which is truly incredible. Uh, but if you play fantasy baseball, you know that June is when the dudes in your league or the ladies in your league start to really. Uh, plunker out there it's when the teams that are doing bad stop paying attention it's when people forget to check their lineups don't deal with that play some uh dfs personally i recommend checking out thrive fantasy thrive fantasy is a new prop betting based daily fantasy lineup game uh the concept's really simple just think of over or unders for players given stat think of trevor story's home runs think of rachel garcia's strikeouts uh And then you take those, you combine, if you combine one of the highest scoring lineups for that night, uh, you will go ahead and cash in. Uh, Thrive Fantasy is located in the Apple and Google Play Store. For the month of June, you'll receive a free $10 match when you deposit $10 through PayPal. Whether you're looking for $2 or $100, Thrive Fantasy has a match for you. Use our code BRK. DWN, that's breakdown, and receive $10 free when you deposit 10 through PayPal. Thrive Fantasy, prop up with us. I mean, for me, as someone who's playing fantasy, I'm finally getting some of my players back, which is great, but this is the time when you really start to see the fall off. You have guys like Tommy forgetting to check their lineups. Uh, you have people who are playing injured players who are on the DL, not even just a day-to-day. They're, they're out with like a hammy injury for two weeks, and they're still starting them in there starting pitcher spot starts to get real ugly this time of year and this is why most people don't stick around with season-long fantasy do yourself a favor check out thrive you know you threw some shade there but i can't even argue because it's accurate as hell um i'm pretty sure that i just got so frustrated with season-long fantasy that i deleted the app Um, (laughs) so i apologize to the guys in my league but yeah it's not coming back Um, And to answer our question from before, we are in Oklahoma City, and we are in the finals. UCLA uh, beat the snot out of Oklahoma tonight, 16-3, to take a 1-0 lead. Uh, And game – or I'm sorry, that was – I don't know when that was, but game two is currently going on as we record right now. Uh, So UCLA with a chance to clinch as we speak. But let's move into some gambling. Betting breakdown. Jordan, 
This is your bread and butter. What are you seeing, my man? Yeah, uh, so first time we did this, two episodes back, I kind of talked about a couple of different things. First thing I talked about was first game series, so I want to give an update on that. Uh, the Astros are leading the league in the first game of the series right now. They are 17-3, and three, uh, winning 17 of their 20 series in the first game. That's pretty great, uh, pretty reliable. However, you're going to be playing a pretty price on that. Uh, what I personally would look for in that spot is a run line play. Uh, the Astros are a team that typically wins by a couple of runs. They're not a team like the Rays, which, God, I'll get to the Rays. But they're winning, and they're winning by three, four runs fairly often. They have a great rotation. So when you think that you have a plus advantage matchup for the Astros, I'd go ahead and back them with the run line. Um the Nationals are 4-15 and 15 in the first game of the series. So they're at the complete other end of that. Um, we may start to see that number turn around. When we were on the podcast uh, two weeks ago, it was that they were 2-12, and 12, I believe. Uh, so they have gotten two wins since then. So perhaps this trend is starting to dry up. Uh, and another thing is you shouldn't be betting trends blindly. Although I may say that the Astros are 17 and three or the Nationals are four and 15, still make sure you're doing your research, you're doing your handicapping and not just blindly betting these trends. They are trends. They're things that have happened in the past. They are not predictive of the future. Um, one that I just alluded to is the run line is the Rays. The Rays are absolutely incredible on the run line. The Rays have 34, 35 wins on the season. Um, I believe they're playing right now. They're actually down to the Tigers, uh, which is not something I expected to see when I just looked over at my board. Uh, the Rays, when they win, they are 32-3 and three on the run line. What that means is that when they win, they are winning by one and a half or more runs. Now, this is even including games when they are uh, underdogs. So I'm just looking at strictly how often have the Rays won by more than one run, and that answers 32 times. They have 35 wins on the season, so three of those games they won by a one-run decision. Uh, so if you like the Rays, the Rays, because they are doing so well this year, uh, they are up towards the top of the AL East. Currently, they're 35-22, and 22, but they have a plus 78 run differential. If you see a team like the Rays with a plus 80 run differential or the Astros with a plus 100, Go ahead and play them on the run line. Uh, if you like the matchup, if you have a shaky pitcher, uh, perhaps early in their career, or a pitcher whose FIP is greater than his ERA, go ahead and uh, bet the Rays and possibly even the Astros on the run line. Uh, and then just kind of tying this all in for a few minutes here, going to just freestyle about some different gambling things here. Uh, as we've passed Memorial Day, we're past like the one-third mark through this uh, season. I believe most teams at this point have played 50 to 60 games. Uh, looks like most teams are pushing towards that 60 mark now, so we're just about a third of the way through the season. At this point, we're starting to get a feel for the teams, and you can start to see the teams that are moving in the positive direction, teams that are moving in the opposite. One that I really want to highlight is the Indians. What I'm highlighting with the Indians is look for the Indians as a long shot uh, play for the AL Central. You should be able to find the AL Central uh, divisional odds for a pretty 
nice price for the Indians because the although the Indians are 11 and a half games out, it's not completely impossible to imagine them catching up with the Twins. The Twins have a much harder schedule for the remainder of the season than they had to start the season. I think that some questions with their starting rotation there in Minnesota will need to be answered as well because it's going to be really hard to keep holding teams off uh, when you have guys like Michael Pineda holding down big innings for you. Uh, They are doing well. They are absolutely destroying the ball. They are putting up a ton of runs. They have a plus 110 run differential, I believe, leading the league. Yeah, they're ahead of the Astros and the Dodgers. So keep an eye on the Indians. Uh, They're getting Clevenger back. They are still under 500. But if you see that the Indians are starting to put it together, the thing for me to watch would be their run production that's been the biggest question mark this season they are in the bottom half of the league in run scored so i definitely would check out the indians you can probably get them uh on some books i actually haven't looked at prices i would take them over say a plus 450 anything over plus 450 i would lay don't break the bank on this one maybe throw 10 or 20 bucks at it uh if you've got the money burning a hole in your pocket but it's highly likely that we see the margin in the AL Central slim uh, considerably. Last thing that I want to mention is make sure or strategy that I've been looking at and just some analysis I've been looking at more deeply lately is the first five runs that teams are scoring and the first five runs that they are giving up. A team that has been giving up a ton of first five runs, let me see if I can find it here, is the Giants. The Giants are getting peppered. And you know who it is? It's our good old boy, Drew Pomeranz. Drew Pomeranz is leading the league, and not in the good way, in the bad way, in first five uh, innings ERA. I believe he's over 6.0 uh, with his first five-inning ERA. He is getting killed. I don't believe he's made it past the fifth inning this year. And they, I'd really look to see if you can do some research to find how many runs have some of your favorite teams or teams that you're interested in backing scored in the first five innings and how many have they given up some teams that i'd possibly look at on the offensive side of things maybe take a look at texas uh their pitching staff isn't the greatest but texas is scoring a lot of runs and they're scoring them in the front half of the game in fact just look at the al west you can look at seattle you can look at oakland uh all three of those teams are in the top half of the league for first five runs scored it's a great spot to look and then another team to look for both their runs and the opposing runs and the first five over is colorado colorado's rotation is so shaky right now i went to a game where they went into a pissing match with the Baltimore Orioles into the 10th inning, which is incredible. Uh, And there was a ton of runs. Rockies are regularly putting up a lot and they're getting scored on often. At home, they are giving up three and a half runs per game. Uh, The only teams that they're behind are the Baltimore Orioles and the Seattle Mariners. So they're not in good company there. Uh, So that's something to look at. Opponent first five innings runs per game and team first five innings run per game. Uh, Last thing to mention very quickly, 
watch for bullpens. There are teams that have horrible bullpens. Uh, Brendan's favorite one to mention is the Nationals and Trevor Rosenthal. Uh, some other teams with shaky bullpens, you have Baltimore, Seattle cannot get an out. In Colorado, for me, the biggest question mark with their team is this bullpen. And I think that if you have the opportunity to make a second half bet, or if you can get some type of alternate prop uh, where you can look at runs scored in the last three innings, I it would be worth looking into and doing some research to see when it would be profitable to play the over on some of those teams I mentioned. When you play, Jordan, how often are, do you play first fives versus uh, full games? Uh, anytime that I cannot trust a bullpen or that I see a bullpen is worn out. Um, I use a website. Let me see if I have it saved here. I actually don't have it offhand. Uh, there's a site that I use to look at bullpen usage, and it lays it out in a chart for the past seven days what everyone's bullpen has done. You can see whether how many innings they may have pitched and how many pitches they've thrown. That, to me, is a really good gauge of do I play an under, do I play an over, or is this game worthy of me trusting for the full nine innings? There have been a lot of games this year with lead changes late in the games there have been a lot of shaky bullpens so this year more than ever is a time to be weary of playing those full uh games versus playing a first five. First five especially if you like a starting matchup on an underdog is a great spot i like to play you're getting a plus price and you're only having to worry about the first five. They're an underdog for a reason. I mean, you're not betting on the Baltimore Orioles because you think they're a good team. You're betting on the Baltimore Orioles because you're getting that plus 170 versus the Texas Rangers. Um, And when you have that matchup and you do your research and you think it's a good bet, and, but you're still worried about the bullpen, play the first five. First five, you're locked in with starters as well, which is great when you have one of those scratch starts uh, right before the game. Hmm, I like that. It's yeah. definitely something that I'll be I'll be looking into with first fives more because <clears throat> for me, first fives have kind of just been like, oh, you know, I'm expecting Kluber to go out there and shove. You know, let me let me hop on the under for the first five. Um, that that's kind of how I've approached it. But yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I I play a lot of. I would actually say within the last few weeks that more of my plays were first five, and I'm playing a lot of the run lines um, because you can get a close to a plus price with a favorite to take the lead. Basically, they need to t- have the lead. It is a half point or half run run line, so they need to be up by one for you to cash. Uh, you can always take the money line if you have a really good matchup. Um, let's say it's an NL East matchup. You got the Mets with Syndergaard and you have the Nationals with Scherzer. Pick any team on the money line and you're probably in a good spot because they could end up tied 0-0 through 5. They could be 1-1. It could be 2-2. Two, two. Um, so that's another good uh, strategy there. Seven, anything, seven, like anything to, to add on that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, look at the umpires, too. If Angel Hernandez is uh, going to be calling balls and strikes, just fucking fade it. That guy, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, there's a there's a ton of research you can do on umpires. Umpires have tendencies, whether they call games over or under, as well as whether they tend to favor a home pitcher or an away pitcher. Yep, no, for sure. And, like, that was a joke on Hernandez, but it's true. Um Especially with like 
it goes in like the crew chief too uh it's always good to look at that because they kind of dictate how they're going to call the ball to strikes too they're not always being home plate so there, there are certain things that go into that as well um but i kind of like the whole thing on the first five so i uh, i think i'm gonna start looking at that as well all right. Uh, in, in lieu of the curtain call this week, we're gonna we're gonna look ahead. It's kind of been the theme between between injuries and looking ahead. It's kind of been the theme of the pod. Um, so let's look at the teams that 500 and below that can turn things around. I mean, realistically, you got the Indians, the White Sox, the Angels, Athletics, and the Diamondbacks. When when we look at this slab of teams, uh, gentlemen, who pops off the page, good or bad, do you? Uh, seven. Let's start with you. Yeah, so when I'm looking at this, uh, Tommy, you'll like this. I am still high on your Indians for whatever reason. Yep. Um, I'm looking at it through this lens that they're dealing with some injuries because they're they're they remind me of the Rays when they're good. When they're on, they remind me of the Rays because their offense is not going to blow you away. They need to rely on that good starting pitching that we've known them for uh, the last few years when they've been going on these runs and these deep playoff runs. The thing is, so Kluber will be back, uh, I believe, and they're about to get Mike Clevenger back, who's going on a rehab assignment, I believe, on Thursday this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, uh, if everything goes well, he could be back before the end of June. Um, that's going to be a huge boon to this starting rotation for me. So when I look at that, Plesak, the rookie that they brought up, um, he's been pitching well. They And Bieber, I have Bieber fever. Whenever I see him as a probable list that I... Uh, I jump on that one usually. I think he's going to he pitch well uh, tonight. Um, he actually yep. beat Smeltzer. <laughs> we talked about him earlier. Um, but, yeah, I like the Indians. I think they're only going to get better. They can't get worse than what they've shown. And I think a lot of that has to do with the injuries. And I hate blaming everything on injuries because I don't think it's a good scapegoat all the time. But in this case, when it comes down to starting pitching and how a team is shaped by that identity so much and they rely on it, when you look at the names coming back – there's a reason for optimism and that's why I'm so high on them right now. Yeah, I actually really like the way you phrased that is they were their their identity is their starting pitching and you know, you lose you lose Kluber, you lose Clevenger and you've gotten decent production out of a guy like Plesac and and Jeffrey Rodriguez who's who's filled in and been passable, but um you know, getting Clev back in here in a couple weeks, it looks like getting Kluber back sometime in the near future. Um, and it kind of goes back to what Jordan said about uh, a potential future for them. I really like them to, to write the ship for me. I'm looking at the, at the athletics. Uh, I think they've played pretty well. I mean, they, I don't think they've played their potential yet. They're hitting the ball. Well, you know, you got a guy like Chris Davis in the middle of that lineup. Um, I, I, I would like to see them get an arm at the deadline. Uh, they're tw- at, at time of recording, they're 29 and 30. They're just coming off. I mean, they're, they're kind of riding a low wave right now. Again, at time of recording, they're, they've lost five straight, and that's less than ideal because um, they've kind of cooled off after that really hot stretch. But I think if they, if they just kind of stick to, to, to their identity and, and you know, y- y- you're going to play – you know, your your snoozers uh, in in teams like the Angels right now. I think Matt Chapman's got to stay healthy. He's leading in every uh, major st- statistical category for this team. Um, but some of your role players really, really got to step up. I'd love to see Marcus Semien uh, uh, show a, a little more. I'm sorry. Uh, wow, I profile. 
yeah, Profar. I'm sorry, the, the page that I, I was on <laughs> completely just uh, glitched out. But yeah, Profar. I'd love, I'd love to see him uh, do it with a stick a little more. Uh, Matt Olson. I'd love to. See, or, I'm sorry, he's been hurt too, hasn't he? Um, yeah, everyone's been hurt. Yeah. I think he's back though. Is he? Unless he went down again. No, I, I think he's back. Yeah. But guys like he's Pisc- back from his injury from the beginning of the year. Yes. Yeah, but guys like okay, Piscotti. Yeah. Guy, I mean, I would. Just, I'd love to see this just more consistency out of this A's lineup. It can't be all Matt Chapman. I mean, he's been great. Two seventy-two, sixteen bombs, thirty-five ribs. But you know, it just it, it can't be all him. Um, and like I said, I'd love to see them go get an arm at the deadline and and have some support uh, to to match their mediocre pitching Chris Davis has been or hitting I'm sorry Chris Davis has been good Brett Anderson leads this team in wins uh I don't know I, I the back end of this bullpen's great I love Trevino and Trinan um but I, I'd love to see him go get a starter because right now you're looking at Fires Anderson and and Frankie Montas and and I mean yeah out of out of, out of 60 games they've played only 27 quality starts, and that that's a number you need to see see them improve on. So if, if they go get an yeah. arm, if they go get an arm, I think they'd be they they can set themselves up for a good run. I think that the problem they have is they were des their rotation was decimated last year. I think that they may have, and I hope I'm not just making this up. Like they may have been towards the top in the history of the league for most pitchers used in a season, especially from what I can remember. The names that I was still living in the Bay Area for part of last baseball season, and the names you were seeing on the probables you had never heard of. Um, they, I think they still do not have Sean Manaya. They do not have Andrew Triggs. Uh, Jareel Cotton is still coming back. So these are, especially Jareel Cotton was part of the, he was the main piece in the Rich Hill trade, which I know it's funny to think about that Rich Hill was a feature piece in a trade, but that was the year that <laughs> he really helped uh, secure the back end of that Dodgers rotation uh, and help lead them. I think that was the year they lost to the Astros. Took them all the way deep into the playoffs and obviously to the World Series and just providing a sturdy arm that could get outs consistently because he was doing well that season that he left Boston to go to Oakland. Uh, so Jareel Cotton still out. Andrew Triggs last year through 10 starts. He was leading the league in ERA. Uh, he has not played. He went down with thoracic outlet, uh, which is a brutal injury uh, and something we were discussing off air uh, earlier today. And then still not having Sean Mania. Sean Mania threw a no-hitter last year um, against the Red Sox. Sean Mania has shown flashes of being one of the top left-handed pitchers in the AL, um, but they still are playing without him. So if they can make a trade to get them through to for the rest of this year, and then they're going to get some guys back, I think that'd go a long way for them. My team, uh, I'm actually going out west as well, but to the other league, going with the Diamondbacks. I really like this Diamondbacks lineup. I I'm super surprised by it, and I think that's why I'm so bullish on them, because did anyone see them playing 500 ball after losing their best uh, hitter? And I believe they lost their best pitcher as well. Um, they have a plus 50 run differential. They have over 300 runs on the season. Kettle Marte is hitting very well. Zach Granke looks like he's 26. 
Uh, Robbie Ray is back to his 2017 form. They're looking really good. Um, and it's surprising to think that a team you thought was kind of just mailing it in, they're building towards the future, is doing this well. Yeah, for sure. Especially with... He, and you touched on it, losing Corbin in free agency. No, like That's they, what it was, Patrick yeah, Corbin. They knew they weren't going to re-sign him. Um, the Goldschmidt trade. Yeah, they were, I mean, they. it was all the making, and it wasn't like a teardown either, which was what I found more surprising because it was almost like in the back of their minds they knew that their roster was competent enough to, I guess, compete in that division. Um, but, yeah, they, I'm very surprised right now. Uh, Kettle Marte... You touched on it, but he's been like, he's been on a tear this whole year. I'm waiting for him to slow down. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I I'm digging that one. I like the, I like the Diamondbacks too. I just, the, my fear with the Diamondbacks, and I think it's the same thing with the A's. Tommy is that they play in such good divisions mm-hmm. that you're. It's and we go back to that trade talk. It's like, are you really going to catch the Astros or the Dodgers at this point? You started off so slow. Not the Diamondbacks, they started off pretty hot, but um, at some point it's just like, when do you kind of call it and say this is what we have and we're building for the future? That's my only fear with those two teams, and that's why I'm a little hesitant to put my chips in that basket right now. So when we look at these same group of teams, these guys who are 500 or below, uh, who do you guys see becoming a contender over the next two, three years? Um, uh, Seven, let's stay with you. Start it off. Yeah, so for me, my the team that I like with the best uh, projection for the next couple seasons is the White Sox. And it goes back to uh, Drake LaRoche. Uh, that was the catalyst for why. They ended up causing a lot of drama in that 2016 club. And as a result, they rebuilt their team with a ton of prospects. They have one of the deepest farm systems in the MLB right now. Five of their top uh, prospects in their own system are in the top 50 for MLB. So they have a great pipeline that they can build within. Uh, they have some players up there in the majors right now. Eloy Jimenez, Juan Mancata, uh, Giolito, who we touched on earlier, Ronaldo Lopez, who had pitched well in the last year or two. Uh, obviously, he's not doing that great this year with like a 6 ERA, but he's someone that has a bright future still. They'll get Michael Kopik back from Tommy John. So that rotation to me is looking good. Um, their lineup, that's the only question mark. If they have enough right now in the minors, too, that they can bring up in that short span. Um, but I, I do like where they are. Uh, I, I do like Jimenez. I think he'll figure it out eventually. Tim Anderson is having a career year. He was a, a former number one pick for them. So he's finally putting it all together. I just hope it's not like a Tim Beckham situation where, you know, he goes off for two months and then goes back down to like hitting 230. Um, but for right now, what he's doing is pretty impressive. So they have enough pieces there and they're young enough and everyone's under team control that I think they can still keep building through that. Uh, we look at this year, they're in second place right now, I believe. Um, they're overachieving for all intents and purposes in a weak division. I would like to see them trade Jose Breu to get some more prospects to kind of solidify that pipeline and have someone to build within, um, especially at the first base position. So, yeah, I'm loving everything that they're doing from a managerial perspective in terms of just building and, and understanding that this is a total rebuild and they're in the middle of it right now. Um, but, yeah, I think in two to three years, they could potentially be winning that division with some regularity. Jordan, what about you? Yeah, uh, so team that I am going to pick is the Texas Rangers. Uh, I really like the Rangers, and it's through a 
couple of different reasons. Um, I've talked about before, I am very high on Joey Gallo. If he, once he comes back from injury, is able to consistently hit and getting on base. I'm not saying he needs to always be that 40 home run hitter. Like, it's okay to hit 30 home runs. If he's hitting 30 home runs, he's throwing some doubles in there, and he's not striking out 3 million times a year, I think that he can be the focal point on a team that plays very good baseball over the next uh, three years. I don't think that this year they'll be able to do much. I think next year they'll be that flirty team that, like, that the A's were possibly last year. Um... And how they kind of come up at the end and they make a push and they make that play-in game, but they're not quite there yet. But what I'm really looking to is the following year. So a couple things going on that the Rangers have going for them. Plus, they have a new stadium that is opening in 2020. So this is their last year in their current ballpark. Um, the new stadium, when teams have new stadiums, they often go out and spend they reach for free agents, they try and acquire talent, they try and make trades that are going to fill their seats. So I think that the Rangers, which if you look at the their payroll, they have a lot of guys who are very short term. They don't have a ton of guys who are tied up uh, through you know, 2022, 2023, they have maybe 10 dudes on their entire roster. For the most part, they are on one and two year deals at this point, and I think that they've been kind of planning this. Um, for players that they do have locked down more long-term, you have Elvis Andrews and Runet Odor. Both are locked down in contracts, not arbitration eligible. They're, they've been re-signed to real contracts through 2024. Uh, you have Lance Lynn for the next three years. Eh, $10 million a year. There are worse starters to have. He's a good 3 4 5 uh, pitcher. As long as he can not deteriorate, as we see players like... Uh, his teammate Drew Smiley or Drew Pomeranz in San Francisco or even Jake Peavy late in his career. So a lot of these pitchers who were, they at time flirted with possibly being elite. Uh, they possibly were the best pitcher in a league for a quarter of a season. Um, but these are players who, by the time they hit 32, 33, they really start to turn down. So Lance Lynn, he's all right, not the end of the world. They do have two kind of bad contracts. Drew Smiley cut the fucking bait he's owed five million dollars next year i wouldn't pay him five million pennies next year get him the fuck out he is awful his era is north of seven his whip would make a very impressive bench press get him out (laughs) cut him there's no reason to keep him around uh unless they literally just need a body who can put on a jersey and can hold a clipboard or something there's no reason to keep him around the other one is shinsu chu Shinsu Chu is getting really old, and boy, did age catch up with him quickly. He was signed to a long term deal when he was probably too old to be signed to a long term deal. They signed him to a seven year at the age of like 33, 34. Uh, So, not their best decision making there. He's making 19 million a year. Um, I know that he did hit a home run tonight, so yippee. But he has some type of, it's called a modified no-trade clause. I'm going to guess this is where he can review where he's allowed to go. So it could make him hard to move. But at the same time, put him at DH. It's not like he's out there in the outfield anymore. Uh, He's not making those weak throws from the right field. Put him at DH. Let him sub in the outfield as needed. He's a depth guy. I mean, it sucks that you're paying a depth guy $19 uh, when you're trying to compete. But that's the situation they might be in. 
their prospects, their system, the area they need the most help at the big league level is third base and pitching. Um, well, they have those in pitchers. They have two pitchers who are in the MLB Top 100, which is very nice to see. Uh, 70 and 72 overall. Both are estimated to come into the pros in 2021. Hans Cruz throws a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, and he has what I read on MLB as a wipeout slider. The one thing that is a concern about him is he has a violent delivery, so as Brendan likes to say, he goes ass over tea kettle uh, when he (laughs) throws the ball, and he's completely out of control. They're worried that he... And this happens with pitchers who throw with such a velocity and such force with their body, is one, they can often get injured, or two, there can be... He can hit a little pebble one day and he'll throw himself out of rhythm and he will have a very difficult time getting back into the swing of things if he derails himself enough. Um, and then the other pitcher is Cole Wynn. He th- has really good heat, throws up to 97. He's a 12-6 curve and he's the first player in uh, baseball to win the Gatorade Player of the Year in two different states. He's one of those players who transferred. He won it as like a sophomore. Uh, while he lived in Colorado, and then he moved to California, and he won it uh, as either a junior or senior. They have a lot of arm depth in their minors, so as far as their bullpen and just general staff, I think they'll be good there. But they are going to need some help um, at third base and in the outfield. None of the top 10 prospects in their system play third base. Their number 12 prospect is Eli White. He's a utility player, so I guess he can um, fill in with that, so that would be good. But they really need that next Adrian Beltre. Who's going to be that guy who can hold third base down, who's going to make the consistent out, who's, when he gets to at-bat, pitchers are going to fear him. That's what they need. And I think that that's what they'll need to target over the next two seasons. With such great arm depth, I think that they could package a bunch of these players. I don't think that they should part with Hans Cruz or Cole Wynn. I think that they should take their three, four, five pitchers or, you know, a couple of the pitchers, maybe even someone who they just drafted who has some big potential, but who knows how long till he surfaces, trade him for a premier third baseman. And I think that we could see a really good team uh, come 2021, 2022. I like that. For me, it's the, it's the Cleveland Indians. And yeah, it's maybe a little bit of homerism here, but you look at, at how the Indians are structured right now. Uh, Lindor is under contract until, uh, they're through 2021, free agent el- eligible 2022. Uh, Jose Ramirez, if he ever turns it around, is is signed through 2021, but has a 22-23 team option. Uh, you uh, seven, you mentioned uh, the young arm and Zach Plesac that came up uh, in, through his first two career starts, 12 and a third, two earned, nine Ks. So not a big strikeout guy. Uh, but those big two earned against uh, the White Sox and Red Sox, respectively. Um, I, I, th- I think that Plesak's got a future in this game, and you still have youth with Clevenger. You have youth. You have a ton of uh, of young arms with Clevenger, Jeffrey Rodriguez, Zach Plesak. Um, Carrasco can still contribute for the next couple years, and that's not even uh, addressing the fact if the Indians are able to retain as uh, a Trevor Bauer and keep him around. You also have Carlos Santana under contract uh, with a 21-team option. He's been uh, the Indians' leader in every statistical category uh, to this point. 
although age is going to catch up with him by the time that contract uh, rolls around. You have Brad Hand under contract with a team option uh, for the next two years. And then you have, you have young talent like Oscar Mercado, who's getting uh, some, some good, pretty good run, pretty good playing time right now. He's, you know, plus speed. He's an average bat. He's not going to put the ball out of the yard as an outfielder. Uh, but he's he's gonna he's gonna get on base and 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 he's gonna work his way around. And then you have a guy in AAA by the name of Bobby Bradley. Right now, Bradley, uh, there was a there was a, uh, a stretch. I believe it was over his last ten games. He had five homers, seventeen uh, RBI. He had a stretch where he had four games, four homers. It was. Bradley, they, they call him the assassin. This guy is going to be the real deal when he comes up. He's a guy that really, he was kind of bogged down in the minors for a couple of years. And then as this new age of the swing and exit velocity and launch angle came around, he figured it out. And I think he has the potential to be a 30 home run guy when you when, when he gets the call um, to come up to Cleveland. And then you have Eric Haas, who's a pretty good young catcher. And then, the Indians uh, just have a, a slew of of above average, but not quite top fifty prospects. Um, and I, I I think this team is. It's, I'm going to use a term that we used to to describe. It was the Rangers when we were talking about it. They extend the window very very well. Um, they're able to to get middle contracts that were team friendly contracts that help extend the the competitive window. And I think they do a good job. So I, I see the Indians sticking around, even if even if they don't make the playoffs this year, which I I, I think the Indians should just punt on this year and uh, and just gather team friendly pieces. Um, I think they can be competitors for the next couple of years, even though uh, this year is pretty much a loss at this point. Gentlemen, any other closing? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, uh, I I really agree with that with the Indians, especially with the young talent that they have, especially in their pitching rotation. Uh, for me, a big thing is will they spend money? Will they keep guys around? I'm nope. spoiler uh, alert. No, I think that's <laughs> yeah. I think that's really the issue there. So I think they they're gonna ha- be a team that always has a short window, but I think that over the next few years, this is really their time to capitalize on it. Yeah, I would agree. And just a couple with that, the spending. The Indians are, are you know, in 2016, they went out and got Andrew Miller. Um, but from there, like, other than that, it's just like, oh, here's Brandon Geyer at the deadline. And, oh, here's, you know, XYZ aging player who's who might help you. Last year it was Jay Bruce at the deadline. And, I mean – they're famous for this, and I, I don't expect any big pieces. I don't expect a, a a big splash, but the Indians are great at getting nobodies that can that can later perform. Um, so we'll see. Uh, any closing, closing thoughts as we wrap up Episode 4, gentlemen? No, I just think uh, as we keep going through this season, we touched on the trade deadline stuff. We're going to start seeing some rumors start coming out of the woodwork uh, sooner than later. Uh, also still waiting on Dallas Keuchel and Kimbrel to sign. So hopefully by the next time that we meet up for uh, episode five, we'll have some more news on that. Jordan, you got anything? Nothing really for me. Uh, one thing that I will note and something that I just noticed when I looked over at my screen, the Miami Marlins are beating <laughs> the Milwaukee Brewers 16-0. to And we just had... Uh, who do they even just? They have position players pitching now, so that's why yep. it's really fun. Uh, but it is comical. 
the Marlins have 19 run, uh, hits. That is great. There's a lot of high-scoring games today, guys. Yeah. Atlanta scored 12. Baltimore scored 11. Washington scored 9. So, who knows? We might be seeing a different time of the year. Hey, the Indians scored 5 if we're talking hot bats. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Uh, I want to give a tip of the cap to Bruce Bochy. He just collected his 1,000th career victory as a manager, uh, due in part to our favorite punching bag, the Mets absolutely falling apart in the 10th inning, allowing a six-run a six-run tenth. Um, but but Jordan, I'm gonna just I'm gonna get an immediate reaction. Maybe we can go into it further on a, on a, a later pod or an off-season pod. Uh, a buddy of mine has a theory that if you're going to change extra inning rules, it should be position players have to pitch. Thoughts? Oh, 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 oh. Oh. that's fun. Hey, people say baseball isn't exciting enough. That's how you make baseball exciting again. That would be amazing. I feel like we're going to have to... We, should, we, we need to talk about that. I was yeah. going to say, we're going to have yeah, to have, have a pod at... Or... An off-season pod at length where we discuss fun ways to improve baseball. But that's it for episode four. Yeah, maybe all-star break. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. Um, I actually just yeah. got I just got an email uh, from the Indians today. Uh, I can either get the Killers or Twenty One Pilots concert tickets as a part of All Star Weekend experience. So that's really cool. The Killers, the Killers, the Killers. I was I was honestly gonna punt on both of them for being honest here. <laughs> Take the Killers. Who doesn't uh, like I your mean, Mr. Brightside? <laughs> I certainly would not be seeing 21 pilots with their matching haircuts and all their fans <laughs> matching haircuts. Uh, oh, my God. And with that, episode four comes to a close. For Tommy, I'm Tommy Curiselli. First seven for Jordan. Thanks for joining us. See ya.